welcome to Unauthorized Disclosure. I am one of your hosts, Rania Kalik, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Gastola. Hey, Kevin. Hello. So today, Kevin and I um, have an extra co-host with us today, I guess a guest host. Um, is what they call them. <laughs> yes. Uh, really, really excited to, to be joined by Rokea Chamsadine. Did I say your last name right? Yeah, Shamsadine. Close Shams- enough. Okay. Do you want me to like redo that? No, because I always want to. Sh- I want to say Shamsadine in like the Arabic accent. You know, is like my my initial like um, instinct. But then I'm like, wait, we're not talking to Arabs. <laughs> Gotta say it the white way. Yeah. Okay. So Ch- Shamsadine. Is that how they say it? Yeah, that's close enough. Okay, so Rokea Chamsadeen. Um, but no, Rokea is awesome. Um, we're so excited to have you on. We've had you on to guest host with us before, and now you're here again. Um, Rokea is a writer, um, and she currently works at the Empire Files, too, with Abby Martin, which is um, a friend of all of ours. So yay! Thanks for joining us. No worries. I'm glad I'm here. That was a really solid opening. <laughs> yeah, it <was. laughs> no, it's, a, it's a perfect segue. No, it was kind of a disaster, um, but it's okay because it's kind of a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about on today's show, which is the disaster that's been taking place since the Paris attacks last week, um, which were devastating and awful. And um, the aftermath has been um, really devastating as well and scary. Yeah. It honestly has been, and the reactions that we've seen have been just bizarre and mind-boggling and terrifying at the same time. So, like, let's start with, um, well, first here, why don't we start talk- by talking about this poll that um, that I see was was released today. It's, a, it's some Washington Post ABC News poll. Um, and basically what it finds is that Americans at the moment uh, are scared of more terrorist attacks, want more war, and... Uh, don't want more refugees. Um, and it's actually, the numbers, I mean, are, are pretty insane. It's 52 to 47 Americans um, are, are, like, fearing that the U.S. can't keep terrorists out. Um, 78% of Americans, well, this is one good, one good statistic, that 78% of Americans don't think religion should be considered in determining whether to accept refugees. That's, that's actually, like, one of the few positive things that I've seen. Um, 81% of Americans think it's likely there'll be a terrorist attack on the U.S., uh, of Americans oppose taking in refugees from Syria or other Middle Eastern countries, even after screening them for security. So that's a majority of Americans. Um, And then 72% of Americans say it's more important for the government to investigate terror threats, even if it intrudes on personal privacy, rather than refraining from intruding on personal privacy. So, and it just gets worse and worse. 60% of Americans want to see an increased use of ground forces against ISIS. 73% of Americans want to see increased airstrikes. Americans say by 59 to 37% that the U.S. is at war with radical Islam. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that this really reflects on what we've been hearing from leaders, from the leaders in this country, particularly Republican leaders, but even Democrat leaders as well. Um, And also what we've been hearing from them for over the past decade since 9-11, sort of culminating into this. And then also the news media, I think, plays a huge role in shaping what Americans think about terrorism. I mean, the fact that they're scared. You know, they're, they're more fearful of terrorism than they are of things that are way, you know, that actually are threatening, more threatening than terrorism, you know, says a lot. Um, and then just the, like, the hysteria over refugees has trickled down, even though it's coming from lunatics like Donald Trump um, yeah. and Chris Christie. But, yeah, I mean, I we were talking before the show, like, I, 
you know, I was a teenager when 9-11 happened. So I don't remember it that well because I was a little bit more self-involved than I'd like to admit. But, yeah. it, um, but just from what I do remember, it does feel like the climate in terms of rhetoric right now um, feels like it's worse. It's it's war, it's more like it's it's um it's more hostile. Than- yeah, I've been hearing the same thing, and I've I've been hearing people say it's the same. They feel it's the same, or that it's worse. I was little whenever nine eleven happened. I don't know how old I was. I, I'm 26 now, so I'm not very good at math. But um, so I I don't remember just really- like a woman. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. That was just- <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember like exactly how pervasive this kind of rhetoric was during the time but I do remember the backlash and when I started to feel um sort of the existence of the the otherization of Muslims and Arabs and what have you I began to recognize it as a little kid and that's what I'm seeing again now and like you said I think it is a lot worse and I think that um the problem is that people are brushing this off as oh just crazy people are saying it Donald Trump is saying it's not a big deal but we're seeing this kind of rhetoric all across the board we're seeing liberals say it we're seeing you know um even i've even seen some leftists say well we need to just wake up and talk about muslims now and just other ridiculous things like that and now we have people you know talking about setting up camps for muslims and donald trump wants to um have muslims wear ids i don't even know how the hell that would even work but the fact that people are talking like this is actually pretty terrifying yeah you know and um i do think that like i just want to note that the fact that since 9-11, you've had this Islamophobia industry spending millions, basically like individual wealthy people spending millions and millions of dollars, mostly people who are, are like fanatically Zionist, um, spending millions and millions of dollars trying to um, push this narrative about, you know, Muslims and about Islam being like this inherent evil. Um, you know, even though like even though, uh, you know, I think that 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 it's laid the groundwork over the past what has it been like 14 years? It's yeah. really laid the groundwork for now that something like this has happened. It's not that something like ISIS exists. Um, it's like now people can, you know, have been this, this, these, these ideas have been fed to people on in bus ads, right. And, um, yeah. and newspaper ads and in newspaper headlines and what we hear from right-wing politicians for so long that even people who don't mean to, I think it's really like kind of seeped into their heads. Like it's sort of like we've just, it's been inculcated um, oh, exactly. in Americans so deeply. And then now you have something like ISIS that exists, you know, and ISIS is really, and here's the thing is I know what you're talking about leftists. Like I, you know, I look at my Facebook feed and I keep seeing people I'm friends with on Facebook who are leftists, but I thought were leftists or they are, you know, they, they think they're leftists. Um, and for the most part they are, but they're sharing like Graham Woods piece about ISIS from the Atlantic from like, I think it was in February oh, yeah. it was published. And anyone who didn't read it, I mean, it was this really outrageous, super long essay that quoted really um, dubious sources, um, you know, basically saying that ISIS is um, is some sort of form of Islam. Like it is, there is something very inherently like um, Muslim about it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's. I mean, you could just imagine somebody taking like Zionism or something or Israel and its atrocities it commits against Palestinians and and making the same argument about Judaism. And that would, I mean, that would never be acceptable, and it shouldn't be. Um, 
but you know that but that narrative when it comes to islam and, and muslims is um because it's, it's okay to dehumanize muslims and it's okay to 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 paint this broad you know stroke uh, uh, this broad brush against muslim you know a, a, a religion that has a, some odd what 1.6 billion people in the world are muslims and it's like it's okay to paint them all as villains and, but and look it's and like you were saying before it's extremely profitable there is an industry i mean there i I can't remember the books right now, but there are a few books about the Islamophobia industry and how profitable it is. And look, it isn't even just non-Muslims who are part of this industry. There are actually Muslims who want to push the the narrative of the moderate Muslim. Yeah. So you have the good, the good Muslim who's moderate. Hey, I wear a little flag pin and I have a Ford and I have a little flag on that and I say a pledge and all this random nationalistic bullshit. And then you have the bad Muslim who is like, death to america and then anyone who doesn't fall into either camp is pushed into the bad muslim camp you have to pick a side you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so the islamophobia industry has many muslims in it maybe even more who are out to Mm -hmm. prove how you know good they are as there is you know the people like um spencer and pamela geller and ann coulter and, and bill maher and all of the other horrifically incompetent other people that are part of that group yeah well no and like it's so now that that groundwork has been laid and like now that it's now that we've got the native and the native informants right like now you've got actual muslims who are participating in it there's this whole entire apparatus that exists so that whenever there is an attack you have this echo chamber um, that's yep. there to, to really push these ideas about Muslims. And the Paris attack was really uniquely horrific, and it was purposely horrific because we, we know that ISIS, you know, it's what it wants to do is it wants to provoke um, a backlash against Muslims in the West, and yeah. it's doing a really good job of it. It's kind of interesting because, in a way, you know, ISIS is this group of, like, marauding fascists, like this fanatical death cult. I mean, no one's, you know, no one's saying it's not. And let's, and I think it's really important to point out, like, who hates ISIS the most is other Arabs and Muslims. Like, ISIS yeah. is extremely unpopular. I mean, you and I, Rokea, like, we're both Lebanese. We have family, you more than me, because your family is Shia. Like, you have family that's that's directly impacted by ISIS. Um, and what they do, I mean, there was a suicide bombing attack, a double suicide bombing attack the day before um in Beirut. Yeah, in, in the Dahi, in, in Burj al-Barajna, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and so it's like, the, you know, we have, like, and I'm not to say that, not, that other people don't care about ISIS, shouldn't, like, shouldn't be able to care about ISIS or have a say, but it's like, at the same time, like, I, I just get, I get so frustrated um, with the way it gets framed because, like, dude, like, our, like, our relatives are the ones that are, like, that are, like, being attacked, like, on a regular daily basis. And, and not only that, Muslims have been, pro- like, I love these people that come into your mentions or anyone else's mentions mine and ask oh how come muslims aren't speaking up and how come they aren't doing anything and look i the article i wrote um the other day called why your your why your hot takes on paris suck or something like that um it was about sort of the people that are playing into these um into these narratives that every single time a bigot goes why aren't you doing anything well Look, if you bother to look up anything, you can see that Muslims have been protesting thousands of them going out recently in Afghanistan, protesting religious extremism. It's happened 
everywhere from the U.S. beyond. Um, and the the leading victims of groups like ISIS are Muslims. The people that are fighting them are Muslims. So, I mean, at the end of the day, these people don't care that Muslims are the ones dying at the hands of ISIS yeah. the most. They don't care that Muslims are the ones fighting um, ISIS the most. And it, it doesn't matter because they're at, they're looking to castigate more than they are to get an answer because the answer is never good enough for them. No, which, I, you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Kevin. Which is why the best response when faced with people on CNN who are forcing you to take responsibility oh, as yes. the Muslim community in as part of the Muslim community in Paris, the best response is to just look them in the face and call them on their bullshit because yeah, exactly. that's that's the only thing you can do if you apologize and if you try to explain that you had nothing to do with it. That is only going to play into their hands. Now, you've been looking at – I wanted to get you to talk about uh, some of the different examples that you've been looking at uh, and tracking with your Storify that you've been putting together. I actually have one in front of me that I was going to raise because I think it's particularly atrocious, and I know that you thought it was atrocious what happened with the Philadelphia pizza shop owner and his friend. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, I'll let you talk about it. I have, I have some thoughts, but – I'll let you explain what happened. I mean, the most heinous thing that makes me so fucking enraged by this is that an airline is kowtowing to the racism of passengers and putting people who are brown on other flights. Exactly. And and the thing that people aren't understanding is, look, the, the situation that you're talking about, Kevin, is two Palestinian men were speaking in Arabic. One of them, he was speaking to his other friend because his other friend didn't speak English very well. And someone who was going to be a passenger on the flight heard him and immediately rushed to go speak to the airline company and Lo and behold, they said, you know what, guys, we don't want you on the flight. And it turned out because the guy was uncomfortable. So the, the Palestinian pizza shop owner was like, well, if he's uncomfortable, then he can go take a bus because I don't want to miss my flight. It's not my fault. And they're becoming so hysterical. Imagine anyone else going up and saying, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this group of people. And the reason why is because of their creed, their color of their skin and the language they're speaking. And yeah, I want you to throw them off. And it's literally happening, which is insane. It's bad enough that whenever we go, look, I'm not as brown as my dad or other people in my family. I'm probably a little bit I don't know. I'm the same color as you, Rania, but my name gets me, you know, random, lovely hats all over and everything. Mm -hmm. And I have to worry about how, what people are thinking if my mom calls me and I want to speak in Arabic or stuff like that. Right. But to think that whenever we go on a plane, whenever darker Arabs go on a plane, whenever anyone of color who looks Muslim, Sikhs, Hindus, anybody else, because people are so effing ridiculous that they put us all together, that we have to worry about some random person saying, oh, I don't feel comfortable, throw them off, and that we will be kicked off of a plane, kicked off of a flight that we paid for, that we have every right of being there. It's a form of insanity that it, I, I still haven't you know, come to grips with. I mean, look, it's like, you know, it's right now it's, it's the fact that you we even have to say that is because it's so acceptable to just fear Arabs and Muslims. Because, I mean, you could imagine like 
there's things that are appropriately ostracized. For example, if white people went up to a flight attendant and said they were uncomfortable with a black person on board, that would be a scandal, as it should be, because that's like a very, you know, we've, we've learned, we basically have learned to, to ostracize that sort of behavior. But when it comes to Arabs and Muslims, it's like that open, that open racism is totally acceptable because we're, we're scary and could all be terrorists. And I have to oh, say, yeah. I have to say, like, what, the, what really enrages me more than anything else is the fact that like I was I was talking earlier about how you know we have we have relatives that that are you know that are that are at risk of like being hurt by ISIS right like in real life Um, and what makes me so mad is the people who are being so the most self-righteous and behaving in the most fascist way at the moment are the people who are responsible for the fact that ISIS even exists I mean this is a group that is um, that grew out of the ashes of America's invasion of Iraq. So when I see people like David Froome on on the internet being like Islam this and Islam that, I told you so. I'm just like, go fuck yourself, you. Oh, not even shit. that, Ronnie. Like, y'all, y'all both remember what his wife did, right? Oh yeah, on the airplane. Yeah, she's one of those people that felt so. Oh, I bet she was shivering in her Gucci boots. You know what I mean about those scary Arabs who were on the plane. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they're all cut from the same cloth. They They really are. are. They're ridiculous. But it's just, like, it's so fucking enraging because, like, shut up. Like, shut up. You did this. Like, you and your peers, you and your cabal of, like, neocons did this. Like, you should be the last people on Earth who get to say anything. Like, you are ISIS. You know what? You are fucking ISIS. Like, ISIS is a version of you. Like, ISIS is like a child of neocons. I mean, well, the way they talk. they talk listen to how they talk about um an attack on the u.s or anything else these people don't talk about the victims they don't talk they don't they're mention excited about attacks. They're thrilled. Exactly. They, it almost sounds as if they are fucking ready they're like bring it on like, because finally. i want to prove my contention right i want i want to fucking show people that these muslims are bad i want something bad to happen and it reminds me so much of how um the how israel works too yeah. because every time something like that happens it's almost as if they're gleeful as if it's the fucking well, best thing to ever happen it is i mean it's a, you know I'm, I'm there's a reason for that i mean neoconservatism in and of itself is like a, basically a sister of like like of like like the likud party of israel oh, um, yeah. but no i mean you're i mean like it's like in the aftermath of the Paris, not even the aftermath as the Paris attacks were still ongoing and we were still learning like the death toll, toll was like still at 40 and we knew there was a hundred hostages and we were like oh shit what's gonna happen you had people like david from like newt gingrich like um eli lake like being like giddy about it and like just oh, saying yeah. the most like well now are you ready to close our borders like i told you so ha 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 like it was just it was the most disgusting thing i mean the only people who were excited but this attack were ISIS supporters on Twitter and neocons on Twitter. And that's where I'm getting at here is that the, these two ideologies um, play in, they feed into each other. Like the Pamela Gellers of the world, the David Frums of the world, the entire like Dick Cheney, George W. Bush ideology of clash, civiliz- clash of civilizations is dependent on the existence of a group like ISIS oh, yeah, to exactly. make it to, to make to stay relevant, right? Oh, exactly. And so when this shit happened, I mean, the fact that ISIS even exists, it's like this cartoonish, like 
evil that you would think it's like almost like Pamela Geller fell asleep and had like a fever dream of what she fears Muslims are. And like, and that's ISIS. That's what ISIS is. Um, And so now that this organization, now that this, this, this group of marauding like creeps exists, um, you know, it's like it feeds into the neocon ideology of like Muslims are evil and they can point to it and say, see, we were right, even though yeah. it's their thinking that created it. And, um, you know, the, the, the other, you know, the other side of that is that ISIS depends on neocons and fascists to to have, you know, to react the way they do in the aftermath of an attack. I mean, that's why they do it, because they, too, want this clash of civilizations. They even use like George W. Bush's own rhetoric in their weird ass magazine, Dabiq or whatever. I think that's what it's called. Um, Where, like, they talk about this, like, clash of civilizations, and they even, I mean, no, what's the, there was, like, there was something in particular they used that George, it was like, you're either with us or against us. They literally, like, quote him, but they quote him in in a positive manner, and and saying that he was right about that. And look at the way they, they, it's been reported, the use of the Syrian passport, the fake passport, because they wanted to have the um, Parisians turn against um, the refugees and they want to create that sort of environment where you have disenfranchised, otherized, marginalized people, especially young people who are already suffering from um, heightened, um, you know, scrutiny in, for example, France by the government. Now that they're, if they see people coming out and attacking them and I'll get back to all the, the list I'm, I'm putting up that Kevin brought up, they're going to be like, Oh, see, they hate you. That, see, they don't like you. See, they hate Muslims. So come and listen to our ideology. Come and listen to what we're saying. And that's how they pull in people. You know what I mean? And back to the whole the list that I'm I'm compiling. Just it's basically just attacks that have happened since um, what occurred in France. Um, but it's just escalating. And in Canada, of all places, everyone likes to talk about Canada. Like, oh, Canada is so much better than the U.S. Everyone's so nice, and I'm sure it's great there, but you're seeing so many attacks against visible Muslims and even people that are perceived to be Muslims. Um, I think one of the latest things that's happened um, is a pregnant woman getting attacked. They've People have been pushed while they're trying to get on a train. People getting spat on. Um, in Fife, not, this isn't in Canada, obviously, but in Fife, there was an attack on two owners of a, of a shop, a gang of guys came in and just started wailing on, on the, the dad. Um, another attack in the UK, I think it, it was either in the UK or it was in France involved a box cutter. And the woman was cut, I believe across her chest with a box cutter. And just, it, it is escalating. You're seeing people setting moss on fire, um, defecating on Qurans and ripping them up like just the most sickening things. And uh, it's literally every single day I'm able to pull something up and it's not very hard to find. Yeah, no, it's really, really, it's scary. And this is exactly what ISIS wants. Um, And that's, I mean, and you know, and and look, it's like, I don't want to downplay the fact that like ISIS is a really creepy, scary organ. Like it's a creepy group. Like it is scary. Oh, and Um, not even that, that religion does the, the thing that that's really annoying me in a way is that I'm seeing people sharing articles about one of the guys. Oh, he, he did, he wasn't a Muslim. He was smoking joints every day and he was, uh, (laughs) you know, he, he didn't go to the masjid. He didn't pray, whatever. Okay. Look, there, there are Muslims out there that smoke, that do drugs, um, that drink, that have sex with 
anyone and everyone. I mean, there are Muslims that don't follow their religion like they want to follow it. And religion does play a role in how ISIS works, obviously. And we're able to say that, look, the U.S. played a huge role in creating these groups, not just ISIS. But, yeah, religion is used by people in the group to bring in people. Religion has always been used that way. That's why Marx called it the opium of the people. But it's also the sigh of the oppressed. That's what a lot of people don't, you know, kind of omit from what he says. Religion can be used for so many good things and it can be used for so many bad things. And ISIS is using religion as a way to lure in people. But what they're doing does not in any way, um, you know, show it shouldn't it shouldn't come up as a as a way for people to say well this is what islam teaches because it really doesn't and even if these people were practicing muslims who went to the masjid every single day is that really a reason for any muslim to be like to have them be facing heightened surveillance to worry about going out i mean the satanic temple of minneapolis mm-hmm. is now saying that they're going to any muslim who wants to go to the grocery store who doesn't feel safe will take care of you like it's gotten to a point where people are offering to protect random Muslim people from attacks. And I've seen people in my mentions telling me, I don't want my mom going out. I don't want to go out. And this is, it is terrifying because this is what will lead people to become more isolated, to fear going out, to fear their own community. Which is exactly what ISIS wants. Yeah. Um, so the uh, backlash in Canada, it should it be said, is really a legacy of Stephen Harper's government. Yeah, And, uh, I mean, we did a show where we covered Omar Khadr's case and the way that when he was released from Guantanamo and and brought to Canada and they were trying to still prosecute him for crimes in Canada um, and just the sort of Islamophobia that Harper was whipping up to go after him when he was brought back and still treat him like uh, a criminal. And, you know, the one thing I want to say... Uh, there's one really thing that I really have to agree with this pizza shop owner, which we talked about. I know we left that a long time ago, but I think there was a really good point that he made. Uh, I have to agree with Mar Khalil, the pizza shop owner, who says, "If people don't feel safe, let them take the bus." Like I really yeah. have to tell all these xenophobic Americans that if you're afraid to use our transit system, which has so much security post 9-11. Like, I don't know how many more layers of security we could add to these flights. A free, a free colonoscopy, maybe. That'll... Yeah, I know. And it's like, if you're still afraid because you are making up these hysterical nightmares in your head, then just take a, just drive your car well, wait, across town. I want to push against that for just a minute. Because, not that I'm excusing that kind of racism or hysteria whatsoever, because people suck. But at the same time, like... The people aren't imagining these nightmares in their heads because the like we we have a media, an establishment press in this country that is oftentimes painting those nightmares for them. Um, oh yeah, and, and in the most reckless and irresponsible way. Like I really like I, I think the airline should be sued because like it doesn't matter who what racist person wants what. If somebody's being a racist bigot scaredy cat, then like they like you said like go like the, like the passengers said the guy who was taken off the flight like. Go find a, like, buy a bus ticket. Um, and that should be the response. You don't get to dictate who gets to be on your flight by, like, who you feel most comfortable around. Like, go fuck yourself. However, um, I do think, like, that the media is painting this narrative and that politicians are painting this narrative. I and mean, when you have 
more like more than half the governors across the country um, making absurd statements about we're not going to let in Syrian refugees because um, as they have been like and then you've got the media, whether it's like CNN or Fox News, or I'm sure, I don't know, I haven't been watching MSNBC, but I doubt MSNBC's been great on this, you know? Yeah. Um, and even local media channels, like, I accidentally watched local news last night after, like, a TV show, and I was like, oh, God. Um, but if you, I mean, if you turn on the TV right now, that is what you're going to be told. You're going to be told that there is a nightmare scenario around the corner, and that what these, thought, like, these, like, um, these murderers did in France is going to happen here tomorrow, and that's why there has to be police here doing this and that, and, like, and then you know you hear governors say, and then you hear what like the mayor of like Roanoke, Virginia said, uh, saying that like internment camps for Japanese for the Japanese is why we can't accept Syrian refugees. And you're like, what? Yeah. But I mean, we're not a country of critical thinkers. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I, I I agree. I just want to make sure that it's clear that I I don't think that I want to blame every single American who no, has I mean, these nightmares. Uh, the media. I think it's really critical what you're raising, and and we should maybe talk about that a little more specifically because I, I saw this headline from the Washington Post where it mentioned Ben Carson's rabid dogs comment um, yeah. and then it was talking about some other things that the GOP is doing like Trump's thing with uh, wanting to put IDs or maybe even shut down mosques uh, and it was like the, they're taking they said the GOP is taking a harder line and I was like, at what point will the Washington Post actually call fascism for what it is? Because th that is really what is going on here. And like, at what point are we going to recognize and see our media actually call it? Or else we're just going to say they're taking a harder line. Well, we do have a an establishment media that is obsessed with this notion of neutrality and objectivity, but only in cases of like when actual fascist things are happening. Um, and I'm glad that you raised that because I'm sure you guys saw the story about CNN uh, suspending oh, yeah. um, its correspondent Elise Labitt. Um, because she, after the GOP, like the, exactly the article that you're trying to headline, you're talking about, um, Kevin, after the GOP voted for the, um, res new restrictions on Syrian refugees, which by the way, we weren't accept, we were barely accepting any anyways. Um, so I love how Obama has been painted as this, like, go Obama for giving it to the GOP. Cause we don't hate refugees. It's like two things. One, he has children, like child refugees from South America um, and mothers and families locked in private detention centers in yep. Texas. Um, a, a hunger strike, by the way. Not many people are and talking about it. a hunger strike of, of prison, yeah. private prison with 500 female um, immigrants, almost all of whom are asylum seekers. And Kevin and I have talked about this on the show before. And the other thing is that even under Obama's rules, we were only accepting like 10,000 refugees. And we've already only accepted like 2,000. So, I mean, we need to stop giving him accolades just for not being a fascist. And not even um, that. They're talking, The everyone is talking about um, refugees coming in, and it isn't even just Syrian refugees. The bill that was recently approved yeah. has a whole list of, it's basically every effing brown person in the entire universe mm -hmm. just don't come here. That's what it's saying. From everywhere from Lebanon to Afghanistan to um, different countries in Africa, I believe, like literally from all over the world, don't come here. And everyone's talking about Syrians, but they don't want any any people coming in no. here whatsoever. And, and look, people are thinking that Syrians 
or any refugees can just waltz in across the border <laughs> and, hey, I'm here, you know, can, give me the free food and the free house and yippee I mean, it's like crazy. They, they literally don't know how the system works. The, the obstacles people have to just... They have, run to, people have to jump through. People literally have to jump through hoops of fire, and they have to throw it's their crazy. children through the hoops too. It took that like, family oh. three years to get placed in Indiana, and then that fuckhead Mike Pence was like, yeah. "No," and <laughs> so they were they sent them to Connecticut. Yeah. 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 Well, 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 before I forget, though, about this uh, real quick, and then we should talk probably more about this is um, so, okay, so our reaction, obviously, to this GOP bill is very um, harsh, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would call it harsh. So um, this this correspondent, um, she's a reporter for CNN, Elise Levin. She's a good reporter. Like, I, I actually, like, have followed her work. She's good. Um, she's very, obviously, like, very straightforward because CNN's reporters, as opposed to, like, their anchors and pundits, like, aren't allowed to have opinions like most news stations are um she tweeted out house passes bill that could limit syrian refugees statue of liberty bows head in english um and almost immediately like all these right-wingers um were like oh my god cnn's so biased look what the reporter said and before long cnn you know responded after like a couple people had written about it and saying it, it violates cnn's rule of neutrality or whatever um cnn was like okay she's suspended for two weeks <laughs> so for having a basic like a very very real totally understandable um human response to really disgusting behavior in Congress, she's suspended for two weeks. And, like, that wasn't even a harsh response. That was a pretty, like, factual... You know, you're right. Like, if the if the Statue of Liberty, given what is written on it, was, you know, was, was animated, you know, and, like, had feelings, that probably is what it would do. <laughs> um, and, and these are the same people that whine about the PC police. Oh, wait, wait. Right. And then here they are, like, oh, my God, did you see what she did? I'm telling. Like, it's <laughs> fucking insane. They're like, insane. oh, my God, like, stone her. Like, I mean, I'm, like, waiting. Seriously, I mean, that was like the, the right wing response was so angry and she didn't even say anything particularly amazing like she the statue of liberty bowser like okay great and then they came out with fucking swords and just coming at her throat wanting her to get yeah. fired i just like, wanted with octavia o- octavia nusud and all the other mm-hmm. whoever else they got fired or suspended from the news i just want to make sure we note that Eric Wemple, who is the media critic at the Washington Post, is responsible for this because he was policing her Twitter account. He was. No, I I was actually kind of surprised because he's usually pretty good. Like, I was like, oh, like, what the hell's wrong with you? It also reminded me of um, last summer when CNN, like, its correspondent that was reporting from um, the Israeli side of the border with Gaza, uh, she was reporting from the hill of shame where israelis would set up their lawn chairs and eat popcorn and like cheer um because they have like a view of gaza so whenever an airstrike hit gaza they would watch it explode like fireworks and they would cheer and celebrate um and she was covering that and like she looked like physically like like shocked by what she was seeing um and then at one point a group of, of israelis um we're like, because they were they're really really hostile to the media, because um, even even right wing media they think is like is liberal and they hate liberal anything. So um, so they threatened her like to like um, to vandalize her car and they threatened her crew. And so on air she called them scum, 
and she was like disciplined. They removed her from Israel and sent her to Moscow. I think <laughs> was what happened. But yeah, it's it's a, but it's it's only particular opinions because I mean reporters generally pretend to be neutral. Um, and I'm stupid because everybody has an opinion. I don't, you know, and like, I understand wanting dry reporting, but like, we can't pretend people don't have biases. Um, and the fact of the matter is that there's certain biases that are okay to have openly and others that aren't. Um, and the ones like sympathizing with Syrian refugees or like, you know, responding negatively to Israelis who are threatening to hurt you. Um, those are unacceptable. Like the what Kevin brought up, I believe, about the CNN anchors who um, who were interviewing the the head of the Islamoph- anti-Islamophobia coalition in France. I forget his name. Um, at the end of the interview, they they said something along the lines of they, the Muslims need to take responsibility, and I don't see that. And that was an obvious just if it was if it was about anything else, they would have been attacked by everyone across the board for being biased but when it comes to things like that it's okay yeah i mean it's it's really i mean and i don't know you know it's different for everyone like i do think i do i'm pretty sure anchors um like i know don lemon can say what he wants um most anchors can say what they want um they pretend like they still pretend to be neutral but they for the most part can say what they want but actual but correspondence especially on the ground correspondence in the establishment press like you know, I, mean? I have some friends who are who are like um, who are reporters in the, in the establishment press and like and they're on TV and they do have to maintain this like bullshit objectivity, um, like even in their own personal social media accounts. Like they, they're not allowed to have opinions on Facebook. They're not allowed to, ha- allowed to have opinions on Twitter. And if they're um, and if their supervisors see that they're, you know, that they're moving out of that, if they see that they're like crossing any lines for like, uh oh, that almost sounds like an opinion, they'll make them take it down. So it, it, it's, it's just very stupid. But it's only, yeah, it's only over certain things. Though. Exactly. Like it's like, it's only on the particular topic. So like if it's, you know, if it's like an establishment, um, uh, mainstream consensus, that's okay. But if it's yeah. something as simple as having sympathy for Syrian refugees, which isn't quite an establishment consensus, like then it's not okay. So, I mean, it, but it's very, very stupid. But, what, you know, in terms of Syrian refugees, I do have to say, I mean, it's just so, like, I was bitching about neocons earlier, and I guess what makes me the most angry is it's like they're running away from something that your ideology helped create. Like, like you created a monster, like you helped create a monster. Um, not even that. Now they're prescribing the same exact formula in order or in order to quote unquote defeat ISIS. I mean, they want boots on the ground. They there are people calling for scorched earth tactics, just different ridiculous things to be there's done. Leftists, that have- leftists who are like, we should just put them we should just bomb it all, like nuke them. Oh yeah. A friend of mine was like, let's nuke them. Like, why can't we just drop a nuke? And I, I mean, what? Like, yeah. like, I mean, that's just, it's I mean, I understand. Look, it's a hysterical response. Look, I, there's, I want to do really, I would love to do very vicious things to ISIS as well. I get it. Like, I really, I get it. Like, if it was up to me, you know, and like, there were no rules, like, and, it, and I could easily just like, get rid of ISIS, I would. But you, we can't do that. Like, there's civilians that are mixed in. Like, you there are can't. People that think, they think that this is like a game of Call of Duty or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they also, like, I think people, like, and, you know, another thing, like, to the fact that to, we were talking about earlier about seeing, like, leftists posting really dumb articles and stuff uh, like that. I think a part of it does have to do with people just don't, people want to understand what ISIS is because it's just, it's so bizarre, it, especially if, like, foreign policy is not your forte. And even for people who it is, like, even for me, you know, I understand foreign policy pretty well, I would say. And even I have my, like, so, trouble sometimes wrapping my head around what ISIS like where it's coming, like what it's doing and why it's doing it. And like, I do too. Like I do too. It's like a cult and that's like in cults or, you know, like, I don't know. There's, so I get it. I get the desire to want to understand what's happening. And I guess, so another part of the problem is that there just isn't enough good analysis out there. I'm not saying I could provide it just because like, I, I don't think I could, but just in general, there isn't. And that's another thing that really, really sucks is like, yeah. don't have a good, nobody really has a grasp on what's happening. But all I do know is that everything right now seems really, really like hopeless. And I, I don't mean to like say this, like to, to, you know, everybody like, let's just all go drop off a bridge or anything like that. It's just, it just, the situation is so hopeless. Like there isn't a solution. Like, in, you know, after nine 11, there, there probably was ways that you could fix what was, you know, you could fix what was happening, but we didn't do that. We did the opposite and made it all really, really like a, a thousand million times worse. Yeah. And now I don't think it's like fixable. Like, I think it's going to be a couple generations before what is happening in the Middle East right now can possibly ever be fixed. But given the the solutions that are being proposed and the fact that right now we're not doing anything besides just dropping bombs, um, I don't think it's, you know, if this, if this continues on this project trajectory, like, I don't think it's going to be better for sure, not anytime soon, but even in the long run, like, I think it's just going to be yeah. bad for a long time. And that really depresses me and makes me, I mean, it makes me really sad to say that yeah, it honestly is every the the u.s and all the uh, and its allies are literally doing following the same course of action that has done nothing more than send different countries and different territories spiraling into you know a sort of hellish place look at what's happened to iraq where there was not any um the existence of you know suicide bombings or anything and now they happen all the time it's become so normal for there to for there to be suicide bombings and attacks and everything that some people i know have just stopped talking about it oh yeah it just happened yeah it's normal and the same thing that's happening in lebanon now that the attack on the dahid happened before it isn't anything new um you know and on and on it goes and like you said they're following the same exact formula thinking that it's going to change anything when in reality it's going to make things increasingly worse so the last thing i'll say because i think we probably need to start wrapping and uh we can let our guest have the last word uh if she would like but i would just say that i think that anything that is out there that has bigotry i mean we have to defend people who are going to call it out especially those in media and and i think that's why like it's really good that we talked about what cnn did to Elise because it's just it's it's just not anything that you can uh, tolerate because if this gets to a certain point it it gets really hard to turn back I mean it's already really horrid yeah. and I fear how much worse it could actually become and we're already doing horrific things like dropping drones uh, like we're we're launching drone strikes against people and fueling the uh, the, the ranks of ISIS, too, by uh, continuing to engage in this kind of, of warfare. And we've got officials who are uh, running their mouths uh, and they're working for their contractors and the military-industrial complex to uh, 
to unroll, uh, to roll back everything that we started to accomplish because we had Edward Snowden's disclosures about mass surveillance around the world and they're lying about encryption and they're lying about what technology can do and they're just making up all this propaganda around everything that happened with this Paris attack and it's really dangerous because I think a lot of Americans don't really know and they're just going to see their nightmares. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I wanna I just wanna um <clears throat> I just wanna add one more thing. I think it's what really important, like what you said, Kevin, about defending people um who uh do speak out in the mainstream, even if it's not our favorite reporter in the world. Because I, I don't know, like the climate right now is so bad. Like it's so, so bad. And we may have our little bubble of people who agree with us, but that's not how the rest of the country is. Um, it's especially not right now. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like Americans, uh, you know, this society, we live in a really, really unequal society, um, where people have to work a lot and don't have time to like read what we're saying, you know, listen to our podcast and read what we're saying at places like Shadowproof or watch the empire files, right. Or like read the electronic intifada, um, or, you know, alternate or any, you know, watch democracy now, like these aren't things people have time to or, or people know about or really do so it's like i think it's really important to just remember that it's because one thing i I see people on the left doing a lot is just laughing like laughing a lot about about um about like sort of this 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 fascist behavior like laughing it off making fun of it and attributing it to i saw the one article at gawker was like attributing it to hicks it was like hick america redneck america and it's like very classic stuff like it's clearly classic stuff exactly but like this is serious i mean this isn't just about you know an election to win or anything this is like serious shit that's happening where muslims arabs refugees brown people in general um black people are going to be impacted by the climate of climate that's being created in the aftermath of all this. And so it's not just important to speak out when we have media figures who are being brave enough to speak out um, against the consensus, but also like to to just, you know, speak out in terms of like, you know, people on our side. Like I think we we need to engage around these issues in a better, more strategic way than we have been. Um, and I think laughing at rednecks and hicks isn't going to do it. Like, it's not going to fix the problem. It's just going to create some resentment, you know? Yeah, with people on the left, I think that they're blowing everything off and they are attributing it to what I would call it's very, like, demented way of, of being classes, of trying to make it seem as if this is the lower, you know, class of people. They're the scum who are ignorant when in reality it isn't it's people all across the board who are talking in ways that are just very senseless are violent um, that are using rhetoric that is just are going to make things progressively worse. Um, and I guess I want to leave everybody with, I've, the, I've been collecting the horrific things that have been happening to Muslims in the aftermath, but I think that, no matter who you are, what background you're from, you're, you're atheist, agnostic, whatever, um, reach out to people in your community and talk to them. Go visit a mosque. If you don't feel comfortable going, call up and ask if you can come by just for a visit. Just go look around. Everybody, I've never heard of a mosque that isn't, will be accepting to let you go in and talk and see what's going on, see if they need anything, if there's a food drive going on, whatever, just talk to people. It, it will help. You know what I mean? If you, uh, Muslims are, are increasingly surveilled and marginalized in our societies, wherever they are from the U.S. beyond. And so these little things will 
you know, have a great impact on people. And I know a lot of horrific shit's going on, but there's no reason why we should all be, you know, depressing about everything. Yeah. There, well, there, there are a lot of good things going on. True. People can do what that little boy Jack did and try to uh, donate and help mosques. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and they got him the iPad afterwards. Yeah. That was really <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, given all yeah, the hate really. that's swirling around in this country. And I think people forget that you, you can be... Like we can be happy too about things that are going on. We don't all have to be moping. Yeah. Look, everything. There's so much bad going on in the world. I love hearing about these things, like what that little kid did and what other people are doing. So it's it's you know heartening to hear. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, does everybody? Does anybody else have a, anything else to say? No, I think. Um, thank you for uh, for joining us. No yeah, worries. Oh, yeah. And you. fuck fascists. Can we say that? Yeah, can we? I know that. Fascist. Fuck fascists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we That's were all going to say fuck a lot during this show, and I believe I got <laughs> my fucks in. If any of you want to. <laughs> my mom's fascism forever. There we go. We get a liberation there. All right. We will be back next week. Yeah.